could repeat his triumph by carving a sea-level trench across the jungle-choked isthmus. Of course, his attempt ended in failure, and the deaths of 23,000 workers, as well as a financial crisis that rocked France to its core. This was one of the most important items for sale today, expected to fetch around $20,000. Mercer scanned the rest of the catalog and let out a relieved sigh. The manuscript he'd come to bid on hadn't yet come up. Relaxing for the first time since his plane touched down, he used his palms to press rainwater from his dark hair. And our next item before a short recess is number 62. Jean-Paul de Rosier knew to allow his voice to rise an octave, feeding the palpable wave of anticipation sweeping the room. Mercer also detected a vague sense of anger from the bidders that he couldn't understand. This 170-page handwritten journal by Ferdinand de Lesseps was penned during his voyage to Panama. As you can see, the manuscript is bound in maroon leather, with de Lesseps' name on the cover, and is in extraordinary condition. De Rosier continued to expound on the virtues of the journal as pictures of individual pages were flashed on the screen behind him. He spoke in French and while Mercer had once been fluent in the language, he couldn't concentrate. Instead of paying attention to a book he had no interest in, he gazed out one of the windows, wishing he'd had time to at least change his shirt from the flight. His suit felt clammy and his tie dug into the stubble on his neck. Jean-Paul ended his pitch by saying, "'We will start the bidding at fifty thousand francs.' The phone operator, holding a sign for bidder number 127, nodded her head, and the audience let out a tired groan. Mercer immediately recognized that this mysterious bidder had been bullying the auction by overbidding on the books he or she was interested in. In a minute-long frenzy, the price was driven up to $30,000. Those bidders who nodded at the incremental increases did so with a resigned fatalism, knowing they were going to lose. However, it seemed they derived a perverse enjoyment from making bidder number 127 pay far more than the journal was worth. The telephone operator's impassiveness began to crack as the bids passed the $50,000 mark, two and a half times the journal's estimated value. Mercer could imagine the anger she was hearing in the voice of whoever she represented. Then... It was down to just two bidders, the mystery person on the phone, and an American Mercer had seen at a Christie's auction in New York about a year earlier. Like Mercer, this man was here for the love of the books, not their resale value. Mercer recalled the man was some kind of oil executive, and had pockets deeper than the wells he drilled. But at $75,000, even he had to bow out with an angry shake of his head. Following Jean-Paul's cry of, Sold. There wasn't the normal round of applause for such a high sale. The room vibrated with an ugly tension. The operator, who represented bidder number 127, would not look up from her desk, as if ashamed of the domineering tactics she'd been forced to use. There will now be a twenty-minute break, de Rosier said. Champagne is available in the foyer outside the salon. Mercer accepted a fluted glass from a waitress and waited while Jean-Paul chatted up old clients and worked to make new ones. A cut across the knuckles on Mercer's left hand had reopened and he dabbed at the blood with napkins. Patrons might have wondered about the man in the Armani suit with his injured hands, but none approached. 
It wasn't that he seemed out of place. Rather, he appeared so self-contained, more comfortable in the opulent surroundings than they themselves felt, despite the wet shoes and bloody wound. He threw away the stained napkins when he'd staunched the cut, and offered a disarming shrug to a staring matron as if to say, "'Don't you hate when this happens?' It was a curious, bonding gesture, like she'd been the one being judged, and that she'd passed his inspection. Her door facade cracked, and she returned a smile. De Rosier finally disentangled himself from an elderly woman in a ridiculous blue hat and came over to where Mercer leaned against a damask wall. They were the same height, around six feet, but Mercer appeared to be the larger of the two men. Jean-Paul's lustrous skin, boyishly long eyelashes, and animated mouth made him pretty rather than handsome. In contrast, Mercer's good looks came from more masculine, squared features and bold gray eyes.